Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. my frame chasers it's wednesday and you already know what it is a new episode of chasing the frame today i'm with kelly schwarz i said it correctly oh my god how are you today kelly i'm doing fantastic thank you for having me <laughs> it's it's wonderful to meet you and actually get to talk to you today it's i'm i'm excited i was i was amped i was so amped i couldn't fall asleep last night actually oh man i well it's again it's my pleasure i'm so, happy to be here so before we start the episode uh we have to take care of some housekeeping items real quick so first off we have to thank our affiliate partners artlist.io Artlist is a powerful music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers. With thousands of new songs and a full year of unlimited downloads, you can find exactly the music you need for your project. Music licensing is often a complicated, expensive mess which slows us down and gets in the way of the creative process. By offering direct and unlimited access to our entire catalog of inspiring music for a single annual subscription fee, we believe that Artlist is the solution. Guys, if you join with our affiliate link today, you will get one year with Two extra months free. So check out that link in our description. Join Artlist.io, an inspiring music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers. Second, guys, shirts, shirts, and shirts. We got t-shirts at teespring.com slash doors slash chasing dash the dash frame. Last but not least, it's time for the it's the time of the show when I ask you, the listener, if you'd like to donate to the cause. It's up to you, no pressure, as long as you're getting valuable information. That's all I'm really happy about. If you're getting that valuable information, that's what makes me smile every day then. Guys, paypal.me slash CTF podcast, cash app jdemarco3. Also, we are accepting Litecoin XRP donations on YouTube. So we're keeping the good faith into cryptocurrency because, hey, it's the future. Let's be real about it. Plus, it doesn't have to be one whole Litecoin. And right now, XRP is dirt cheap at the time of February 21st when we're recording this podcast. So you can just send me 25 cents if you really feel like it. And thirdly, you can also donate if you're listening through Anchor on our homepage there. So let's get to it. Who's ready to chase frames today? So Kelly, first question I ask everyone on the podcast is where are you from originally? Well, I'm originally from Minot, North Dakota. Okay. Have you heard of it? It's this place that they should have, they're probably going to get back to Canada at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of that. Actually, that's the first of many 
cities I've never heard of. You know, nobody knows what Minot, North Dakota is. But where, I, where is it? <laughs> it's it's a little town. I shouldn't say it's a little town. I yeah. mean, it's I mean, it's compared to Lo, like Las Vegas yeah. or Los Angeles. It's a small town. <laughs> nobody knows what Minot, North Dakota is. But yeah. if there was ever a nuclear war, the entire world would know what Minot, North Dakota is. So just go there for nuclear war. Yeah, because okay. that's where we keep all of our <laughs> nuclear punch. So like, oh, wonderful. You know, we ever have a nuclear war? I just envision like the ground opening yeah. up. And so, Uncle Sam's giant <laughs> fist coming out of the ground. Like, oh, that's what Minot, North Dakota is. Is it like Terminator? Do you think of Terminator 2 at all? Like, you see, like, you're by the edge <laughs> of, like, the fence and you just blow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's, I mean, look, you know, I haven't been there in a while. Yeah, I yeah. was just up there recently, a couple okay. of years ago. But, you know, I, I don't get up there much, but it was where I was born. Mm-hmm. And that that's, you know, that's, okay. that's my only time. So second question I ask everyone on the podcast is, what was the movie, TV show, actor, director, creative or writer, whoever it is that inspired you. And you said to yourself, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, I grew, I was a product of the eighties. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I grew up with a lot of the same films that are kind yeah. of cliche, uh, but one, but one movie that kind of always grabbed my attention was Chinatown. Okay. You know, I love Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. I love noir. Uh, like one of my favorite movies, even to this date is like LA confidential. You oh, know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love that movie. I just love that, that period of, of history and time. And I love just that style, uh, the, the good guy, the bad guy or the crooked yeah. cop yeah, or yeah. the, the dirty commissioner. <laughs> I just love that stuff. I love politics mm-hmm. and I have always found myself gravitating to those types of movies. So to answer your question, I'd yeah. say probably like Chinatown, okay. LA confidentials up there. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I just saw uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and Roman Polanski is obviously yeah. like part of the movie. And yeah. just like, it's a coincidence that you mentioned like Chinatown, Roman Polanski. It just, I don't know. I just, yeah. And, and ironically, yeah. once I seen that movie and I got to sit with two of the surviving members from uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders, oh, and, wow. you know, their music's featured heavily yeah. in that movie. Okay. In fact, their faces are on the album cover and they lived in that house. Oh, wow. So it was kind of cool. And I was with their produ- one of their producers. Uh, and, and so we got to sit there and watch the movie because we were doing a documentary. Yeah, yeah. And I got to sit there and watch this movie with them. And it was pretty trippy because oh, they're wow. like, they're like, well, you know, obviously they, that's not the house. But, yeah. you know, basically this is, we used to jam in that house all the time. Yeah. You know, and it was just- Gosh. It's a trip, man. Yeah, yeah. That oh my jeez. Yeah. I would I would have nightmares probably like just yeah. seeing that house again yeah. or just seeing that. Very I mean, sad story. That, yeah, Very it is. Tragic story. Uh, so okay, so being a product of the eighties. So you're growing up in my 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 nut. So my I grew I well I technically grew up here. <laughs> oh, so I mean te- I, so I when did you up, move here then? So I moved out here. So it's kind of a long story, but I I, I moved to Alabama. Okay. My my mom was from Alabama, my okay. dad was from North Dakota. After my dad got out of the army, became a cop. Okay. I was born in North Dakota. He had met my mom in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so he brought her back up and then we, they moved back. So they oh, bounced yeah. all over the place. But we ended up living in Las Vegas around, I, I moved to Las Vegas when I was about five years old. Okay. And I grew up out here in Nevada. Gotcha. So it's, I'm born, I mean, not born and raised, but I'm raised. You're raised. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I, when do you think the raised for anyone is, or like just the- I think, I think five is pretty. I think you're a local if you you know you've been here for more than ten years. I think. Yeah, that makes know. sense. So I'm getting close then. You're I'm, close. I'm close. You know, being local really is your heart and spirit, man. Yeah, I mean, that's really, true. it's it's what you it's what you claim, right? I yeah. mean, you know, I've been to cities uh, for for you know, I'll spend like a couple of weeks or something there, mm-hmm. and I just feel like you know, it's like I belong here or something. Did you say you know? you're a local then, the city then? Like I've been to the island of Kauai, Hawaii. Oh, yeah, like yeah. I like I feel like a local there, man. I shop at the stores. Okay. I don't go to the restaurants. <laughs> I cook my own food. It's it's fun. And you're you're uh, you're a vacation. Vacation local, we'll call you. Yeah, vacation local. So, uh, and then growing up in Vegas at five, so you're seeing stuff. You're, you're, you're. When did you find that film camera? When did you start like you know looking for making movies and stuff like that? When do you get, when do you get, do you get a first camera? When do you get that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, my dad was always a, a like a amateur filmmaker. Okay, you know, he he had made he had taken he was in Vietnam, so he carried a 
carry a little camera with him mm-hmm. and he filmed stuff. And, and so we had that, he, I had that kind of in my DNA from the very beginning. Yeah. He bought one of the very first VHS uh, kind of cameras. Yeah. There was actually one that he had before that was like hooked up to a, like a deck. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen those. Like, yeah. 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 So you had to hook it up to a deck and, and it was cool. And so I always played around with the camera mm-hmm. growing up all the, from the earliest memory of yeah. like, you know, seven or eight, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, you know, as I, as I progressed through my, my, my childhood, it just, I just loved telling stories. Yeah. You know, my grandpa always told stories, mm-hmm. my dad, you know, yeah. so it was just, it was part of our culture. Now telling those stories, were you like, you know, hanging out with the kids around your neighborhood and acting, acting and making movies and like making small things of that nature? Yeah, we did. I remember like being in like junior high school and mm-hmm. I, I would get all the neighborhood kids yeah. together and we'd like shoot little movies over the summer <laughs> and I would edit it on like two decks, you know, two VHS decks, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like, so the idea of like, I just, I just love it, but I didn't know yeah. what I was going to do with this. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. what do you do with this? That's all fine and cute and mm. cool. But like, what do you, what do you do with it? So yeah. the idea of like going to a film school was like, whoa, like this is something you could actually do for like a living. Like, yeah. really? How does that, you know, how does that work? Definitely. And then, um, did you have any like video production class in high school then? Or yeah. Well, so like when I, when I, there was nothing when I, I mean, I graduated in 1996. So okay. I went to school in kind of the mid nineties. Okay. So there wasn't really a lot of video production because video was kind of still in its infancy. And, uh, you know, if you were wanting to be like a real serious, like filmmaker, you had to shoot film. Yeah. I mean, that was still a conversation. So I started, my buddy and I started this video club and that was kind of like what we did in high school. We started this video club in high school where we could like make animations. And at that time there was like, first like Apple one computer, not Apple one. That was before us, but like there was like these Apple computers that were coming out that you could actually have editing like nonlinear yeah. editing. Was that the uh, IMAX with the, like the different color backs on them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Around that yeah, same yeah. time. Cause I, I, yeah. I had a Macintosh at 90 in 96 and I was really young. So, uh, I just remember it wasn't that color and I was very upset. <laughs> yeah, I had like power Pete or Mr. Uh, what was it? Professor Piccolo's music oh. class or whatever, like really <laughs> yeah. demo and stuff like, yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's what started it all. I mean, for, for a lot of people, yeah. you know? Yeah. All that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh man, I got the orange color. I wanted the blue color, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, why don't you pick the blue color? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so we had, yeah. you know, my buddy had one of those. So we would, we would literally, you know, my daughter, if she ever heard this down the road, she'll be like, you know, I used to, we used to ditch school. Just to go make such a bad dad, <laughs> make movies. We would literally skip school yeah. to go make movies uh, at my buddy's house. And like, mm. you know, his dad was pretty cool. He'd be like, Oh, you guys, make sure you go to school tomorrow, yeah. you know? So it was pretty cool. But we, we would do that and we would edit and mm. then we would show our friends and have like little screenings at, the, yeah, yeah. at, our, at our buddy's house. And it was cool. It was now, a lot of fun. Now, question because you're, you're not having a video production or film production class in high school and all this stuff and you're ditching school. And like, now, how do you, how do you progress as a filmmaker, a young filmmaker in that regard too? Because you know, you're shooting stuff and you don't know what you're really doing. Like, how do you learn in that regard? Well, I think the the thing that I, I gathered from all that experience was just the idea of understanding storytelling, okay. you know, how, yeah, to, how to put what you have in your mind like on screen, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that was a very small microcosm mm-hmm. yeah. kind of a way, but that's, that's what you learn. Yeah. And then you eventually say, okay, that I understand the idea the formation of a shot list. Yeah. You okay. know, what I need to do to get, you know, this shot and it needs this shot. And then this is going to be cut together. This is mm-hmm. called an insert shot. You know, so we were, we were having a lot of fun kind of yeah. experimenting. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing, but you were kind of going through film school. And mm-hmm. I learned more in that little period of time yeah. during the latter part of my high school years than I ever did you know, in film school. Understandable. I mean, there's a quote I always say on the, on the podcast, you can't be all theory, no practice. It's, it's <laughs> directly from twins. Dan DeVito says yeah. that Arnold Schwarzenegger. Very true. So, Love like, that movie. Great yeah, movie, by the way. Great, wonderful movie. I'm waiting for triplets, by the way. <laughs> uh, hopefully that happens one day. But so 
going back to you shooting and, and editing and stuff like that and doing t- deck to deck or VHS to VHS mm-hmm. really, uh, were you doing the shots where you're like, you're doing a wide and you're like, all right, cut, 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 cut. All right. Now we're going to go in here over here. And then like, you're not doing any retakes cause you have to like rewind and all that shit. And then, yeah. you know, you go oh, back yeah. and then you have to tape over that too as well. Yeah. Well, well, obviously when the computer came out and we were able to like, use, we're like, wow, that yeah. means we could like run the whole take. But yeah, we were literally editing in some cases in camera. Yeah to do that stuff. Classic. And, and Very it was classic. like, you know, okay, we, you know, we'd rewind and then you'd see yeah. like a, 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 like kind of like an overlay of the take that was the bad take in the background. You know, it was just, it was fun, yeah. you know? <laughs> so we had a lot of that kind of thing. And, and, uh, but, but it, again, it made you yeah. think, it made you think about the shots yeah. and what you needed to put a story together. Now question two for you, because I kind of glossed over this a little, I didn't really mention or gloss over it, but we talked about before on the podcast, before we started was Disney. Well, when did that love for Disney come into your life? Yeah. I mean, from an early age, I, I love Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember the very first time we went to Disneyland yeah. with my dad and my mom and my little sister, we were, we, I, you know, I was eight years old when I went to Disneyland. I remember like going there and just my mom, it was like for an eight year old, your mind's blown. Like, you're, you know, and this was back in the eighties. And so my mind was blown. So I remember driving back from that trip from Anaheim to back to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I, I was sitting next to my dad up in the front seat, which, you know, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, cause you have to sit in the back seat, yep. you know? Yeah. Uh, but you sit in, yeah, laws <laughs> these days, but you know, sitting there, I just remember like going, Hey, you know, someday I want to work at Disneyland. Yeah. I remember my dad telling me like, well, why would you want to work at Disneyland when you could own Disneyland? Yeah. And it was just like, I could own Disneyland. And he's like, well, sure. Why not? Or why not just start your own Disneyland? Yeah. And it was just that, that was stuck with me. So, you know, from that moment forward, I just always remember thinking like, okay, I want that. Whatever that guy yeah. did, I want, I want that. You know, I want, yeah. I want like the magic that that person created. So when I was a kid, I, I would literally build like little miniature theme parks mm-hmm. and like little like scale models and yeah, like yeah. draw my own like theme park. It was like kind of nerdy stuff. That's and cool I, though. You know, my buddies were out playing basketball and football yeah. and I'm like drawing like theme parks yeah. in my, you know, my were house. Were you a big you know? fan of Roller Coaster Tycoon then? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. well, well, yeah, I was a little, a little after I mean, my after, time. Obviously after but, your time, but yeah, but still. had I had that in my, in, you know, my, yes, I'd be tearing it up. But yeah. So like, you know, those are, those were fun experiences. Experiences. Yeah. And, um, I just, I, I just, I wanted to emulate that, that, that kind of body of work. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I, I, now, as I, I think about owning a theme park, I yeah. have a studio now and I'm like, yeah. God, it's such a headache to do this, just this, hey. let alone like have a, have a amusement yeah, Disney park. started with a studio first. I mean, there's, there's always time for a, a yeah, theme park. This is true. This so is true. I, you have a lot of time. I'll give you till 20, uh, 25. <laughs> that's that fine. Cool? Yeah. We, yeah, you can have, that's a good time. All right, cool. I'll come back to that with you. <laughs> so, uh, then college. Where did you go? What major did you choose? Did you stay? Did you go with film? Did you stay in state? Yeah. So I stayed. Well, so I, I went to the Academy of Art College in San okay. Francisco. I ran out of money. I came back to yeah. Las Vegas, had to go to UNLV because it, it was the only place I could afford. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have enough money. I mean, I just couldn't, financial aid wasn't enough and, and I could have used financial aid, but it would have taken me like 10 years to finish college yeah. up in San Francisco because the Bay Area, even back in the late nineties was it was a fortune to live there. What made you choose San Francisco, if I may ask? Uh, it was a school I got accepted to. So there okay. was a school out of um, Valencia, California called CalArts, which was okay. basically the school that, that after Disney died, his wife and his family uh, bequested money to build an art mm-hmm. school. Yeah. And it was basically a school that, you know, if you wanted to be an animator, and I wanted to be an animator, yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to work for Disney, I wanted to be a part of that that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh you had to go through Cal Arts. Okay. Like Tim Burton, I believe, went yeah. through Cal Arts. Yeah. Yeah. So so I wanted to go to that school and, and I just wasn't good enough. My mm-hmm. illustration skills just yeah. were not good enough. So so the Academy of Art College was the next thing, next best thing. They yeah. accepted me. I was okay. able to go. But again, living in San Francisco at that time, I mean, it, I mean, it, it was just 
the cost of living was ridiculous mm -hmm. and the cost of going to school is, is too much. Yeah. So when I came back to Las Vegas, they didn't have a animation program. So the mm -hmm. next best thing I, I did was go into film. Gotcha. You so know? they had a film program in right. at that time. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. They didn't, I'm, again, been here seven years as of August. Uh, didn't know anything about UNLV. Went to Rutgers University. Yeah. So totally, right. totally, yeah. But I have, I went to go. I didn't go to film. I went to like I got a bachelor's of fine arts and visual arts. So oh, yeah, yeah. Video concentration. Had to take a, had to take a drawing class. Can't draw for life. Life <laughs> for me. Fun fact. But um, so you go to UNLV and what's the film classes like back in the day? What what was like? How has it changed also too? Well, you know, I can't speak to what they're learning today. Yeah. I mean, we hire a lot of people from who are college mm -hmm. graduates and they kind of tell us, you know, I think the the thing about UNLV is that, you know, they were a little bit removed from Hollywood at that time. Yeah. So at that time when I was going to school, film, the medium film yeah. was still very much a reality. So unless you had a processing lab or you had the expenses or the the budget to have film cameras, I mean, we were shooting on like old camera, 16 millimeter black and white cameras for yeah. our, for our, you know, sophomore and junior year. And so, you know, digital didn't really kind of come into the mix yeah. until kind of after I was kind of already kind of out yeah. the door. Yeah. So, I mean, I think now these, you know, students have, you know, tons of different technologies that mm -hmm. we never had. So yeah. I think the, the, the apparatus and the ability to get your hands on a camera to go shoot yeah. something is better. Now, when I was there, it was a lot of theory. It was a lot of sitting yeah. around, watching movies. So they didn't have any like, uh, go do this, go do that. Like, you know, with the camera and stuff like that. Or yeah. Well, funny enough. So like I, I, I took a handful of film classes and then I got into digital animation. Okay. Uh, so I, I was learning 3d, 3d studio max and a couple other digital programs to do 3d studio. So I, I was trying, I had still had this, this thing where I'm like, I want to do animation. Like yeah, yeah. I still wanted to kind of stick with animation. That's, that's in your heart. That's in yeah, your deep heart. Yeah, sure, sure. So that's what I wanted to stick with. So for me to, to take a, a film class that mm -hmm. to learn like, you know, production and being on set, even as much as I did it back in high school yeah. and played, dabbled with it, animation was still kind of my thing. And yeah. everything changed for me when I got a job with Warner brothers. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So they were shooting a TV show. I got a job and I was a production assistant. Was it, is that, uh, was that in Las Vegas? Or it was. was. Oh, okay. yeah. So they, wow. were, they were shooting a TV show called the strip and it was a very short run television show, but they shot it here in Las Vegas and they had, they had taken a big old warehouse complex and they turned it into like a studio, like a makeshift oh. studio with like different hotel room sets. Okay. That's you know? cool. And so I'm like walking through there like, man, this is cool. This yeah, is really, yeah. really cool. But it, it, it didn't really hit me until one day they, they were like, look, uh, we need you to drive to the set, which is downtown on Fremont. Now this is before Fremont had yeah. the, the thing over the top of it. You could actually, it was a street. Yeah. You could drive. Well, I remember that because honey, I blew up the kids actually. <laughs> honey, right. I blew up the kids. They had that set. Yeah. Fremont. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used to drive down Fremont yeah. before they blocked it off for a pedestrian yeah. thing. So, so I, I had to go down there to drop off this guy's laundry before he, <laughs> because he was going to go straight from the set to the airport. So I went, I drove to the dry cleaners, grabbed the director's laundry. Yeah. Drove it down and I had a little badge and I, and I got to walk through the cops and all the, the, you know, the stanchions. And I'm like, wow, like this is crazy. Yeah. And I, I remember standing behind the director, his director's chair, and he's got these monitors and his big film cameras. Mm -hmm. And his scene was like the shootout. So yeah. Like the cops come around the corner and the yeah, bad yeah. guys jump out. And there's like a gun battle right in front of the horseshoe. Okay. And, then, and then all of a sudden the guy goes and cut everybody back to one. And this, and it was like a giant, a Richter set or something. Just everybody yeah. kind of like, Everything went back to yeah, like yeah. their starting positions. And I'm sitting here in the, and he's got this lady handing this guy a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I want this guy's job. <laughs> That's what I want to do. That's yeah, yeah. okay. Forget sitting in a dark edit or, you know, yeah. like a, like a little drawing table in some little hole somewhere. Like, no, no, I want to do what this guy is doing. 
And so I immediately started thinking about like, oh, could I do this? Could I do this? So I, I started working on my first feature film after okay. that. And that then that was a turning point, which kind of took me away from animation yeah. and into live action filmmaking. So then making your first film then, what was that like? What was the stresses? What were the things you learned? What did you learn not to do also? Well, you know, first off, I learned never to act in my own movie. Oh, so you acted in your first oh, film. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. That's, that is a that is the first time. <laughs> I think anyone who makes a film, if they act in their film, you know it's going to be a wonderful <laughs> yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. no, it was terrible. We, we've, we've rounded up all the copies. Yeah. We burned them. Yeah, that doesn't exist, you know. But, it, it does. You just don't want to admit it. <laughs> but you know, we had you know we had a good time yeah. doing it. We had a, a big giant premiere for it, uh, and we had a lot of support from mm-hmm. our. And, but that was really the moment where I, I I discovered that you know we we can do this. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough at that time. I was volunteering simultaneously with uh, one of the film festivals out here. It's okay. called Cine, Cine Vegas. Okay. And uh, at that Is it time, still around by the way. No. So okay. they they they've recently. You know, I shouldn't say recently. They've been gone for a while, but they they were a pretty big festival. And mm-hmm. I, and through that, I had a chance to meet, um, a gentleman named, uh, Bob Wagner and Bob, Bob was a, a director who had worked on like the Sequest series. Okay. He had done stuff with Star Trek oh, okay. and he, and he was great because he, he took, kind of took me a little bit under his wing a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of gave me pointers about the movie. He actually came to the screening Oh wow, that's and, cool. and I'll never forget him helping us set up the projector. That's really cool. In the back of this. That's theater. really hands-on yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because back at those, back of that day there, you know, you couldn't, it's not like now you could walk in with a, yeah. a digital file and hand it to the projectionist and away you go. Yeah. They, unless it was film, they couldn't project it. You had to bring in your own projector. Oh, you had to bring in your own projector? Yeah. Oh, so we gosh. had to like rent this giant projector and put it on a stand in the back of the theater. And, and that oh, was how you could play video. Really? They, in the theater, they did not have a projector. Yeah. I'm surprised. I thought they would at least have a projector in a theater. Well, they they do if you want if you were shoot, showing 35 millimeter films. Oh, but you were shooting what 16? We, sh- we shot on video. Oh, shot on video. Our first so, yeah. film was on video. Okay, then because yeah. I'm guessing because the expenses for film. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it's, it was right at a time where people were just starting to learn about video. Yeah. Video still had kind of that amateurish look to yeah. it. You know, it wasn't what it is today yeah. uh, by any means. What so, year was that, by the way? So this would have been around. Probably like ninety eight. Okay. Okay. You know, nineteen ninety eight. I remember. Yeah. I remember going to a set one time. Some hot shot guy came over to me. He's like, "So I heard you're making a movie." And I'm like, "Oh yeah." And he's like, "Well, what are you shooting it on?" It's like, "Well, I got this, you know, you know, Canon." He's like, "Oh, that's not a. That's you're not making yeah. a movie. You're making a like a porno or something." He was like, he was really offensive. And, yeah, yeah. But he's like, "You want to be a real filmmaker? You need to shoot on film." Yeah. And I just think about how laughable that is today. I, I like to use the term filmmaker because you add video and film together. It's just film because that's what it is today. If you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, it's all ones and zeros. Yeah. Now, and, yeah. and also like, you know, it's a weird, it's funny. Cause like you look at the transition from film to video, it took a long time. Then you go like from mini DV tapes, which are video obviously mm-hmm. to HD. It felt like it like that. Yeah. And even, but even the transition from 1080 to 4k has been a long process. I feel like as well, yeah. even, even to like higher standards, which is kind of crazy. Like, thinking about that now. Yeah, no, I mean, so, so, you know, you think about that time in place, Mm -hmm. you know, you just kind of had to, it was just, you know, you knew that your movie was never going to like go to Sundance and win awards, but you just had to do it because you were learning. And I just kept believing in the technology and I just believed, you know, everything I was reading and everything I was, I was looking Mm -hmm. at, it was like, you know, the technology will be here. And when it is here, that's going to be my day. Did you guys have like the 35 millimeter um, adapter on those things at the time or not, or they weren't out yet? Well, we, yet. we that was before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was oh. really before that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that came a little later and yeah, when we had a, by that point I was yeah. already in business. I had a production okay. company that was uh, making commercials and, mm-hmm. 
and music videos yeah. and things like that. So yeah, we, we ended up investing in, in uh, the adapter that kind of made it look a little bit more cine. Mm-hmm. Now going back to the first movie too, directing though too, for the first, probably like for the first legit time, I would say, cause I mean, being young, you're not really a legit act, a director right. and in regard, no offense, but no, like, no, no, yeah. Yeah, but what was it like directing, you know, being on a set like that and getting, having that moment where you're like, I want to be that guy and doing those type of things. Yeah. I mean, I learned, I liked working. I mean, granted that movie was, it wasn't the best yeah, uh, directing. But it's your first one. So you're learning. Right. But I did love the idea of directing my friends, Okay, you know, and, and, and you know, you, every time you make a movie, you learn a little bit more about the process, yeah, yeah. no matter how many movies you've done. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's still things Steven Spielberg is le- learning. Definitely. When he does something, you know, but I think you, you, you know, for me, it was like, wow, I actually like kind of like getting in people's heads and, yeah. and kind of working the story out in their heads and kind of giving them that, that line yeah. and then just seeing how they do it and just okay. kind of yeah. forming it. So, so directing really at that point became something that I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. I like this. Now, niching that past path for director, are you more of an actor's director or a creative director? You know, I, or technical I, director. I mean, you know, I've, I've had some actors tell me that I'm a, I'm a good actor's director. Mm. Um, I think I've evolved over time. Okay. I mean, I've made uh, eight feature films and wow. you know, my last, my last two feature films, I think I really, learn to cooperate more with the actors. You okay. know, I learn I kind of came into my own in terms of my style and my mm-hmm. temperament. You know, and I've read a lot of books about the the art and the, and I've yeah. I've watched a lot of things and I've observed a lot of things. But you know, one of the things that I've discovered with directing is that, you know, for me it's my job really isn't to tell people what to do. Mm-hmm. It's really just to give them, I mean it sounds cliché, but it is to give them the motivation to get them to where you want them to land. Yeah. You know, but but inspire them uh, in a way that allows them to bring their own personality and, and characteristics to things. Because the first time you tell somebody, could you do this? Could you bring that up a little yeah. bit? Or could you be a little bit more angry or something? Then you get actorish type of behaviors. Yeah. Even the best actors will be, you know, screwed up by that. Yeah. You know, then you work with actors. You know, we, I've worked with a lot of, uh, especially on the, on the, on the advertorial side, I've worked with a lot of celebrities and high, mm. high, high profile people, you know, they come in, they do what they do. Yeah. And then somebody wheels them out on a, hand truck, you yeah. know, and it's, it's like that. So you don't, you don't have the ability to kind of work yeah, yeah. in that environment. They come in, they do their thing. You're not going to get much out of them, mm. you know, because the relationship's just not there. Yeah. You're a young director or a first time director in their eyes. They're not, they don't care. They just, they're there to get it done. Do you, have the, do you feel like you use like a lot of reverse psychology, especially being a first time director? In yeah. That regard? No, it, it, it is like trying to be a psychologist, uh, <laughs> trying to get into people's heads because yeah. you've got to learn within a second how to communicate to somebody mm-hmm. because how I communicate to you, for example, may not be the same way I can communicate to, to this actor yeah, or something. Exactly. And then it's just, it's just so interesting too, like just being on that set, doing that and then just trying to find that headspace too. It's like, you know, it's a game of chess. Yeah, it is. And, we, and by the end of your day, you are just completely destroyed. Yeah. You know? So what happened after that movie that you did, the first movie you did, what, 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 what happened next? Well, uh, at that point it became a serious thing. I mean, I, I had, I had a, a buddy who was the festival director for Cine Vegas who, who had come by and he had seen the movie that we made and he looked around the audience. He said, holy crap, this guy made a movie. He promoted it, him and his buddies. They promoted this thing. We yeah. were on the cover of a newspaper here locally, the the Las Vegas Sun and, yeah. and a couple other new paper, newspapers at the time put us on the on some of their arts and entertainment stuff. So so it was a proof that we could do something, that we were motivated, yeah. that we weren't just talking about doing this. And 
what was the um, promotion like then at the time? Because it's just newspaper and there's no online, really. right? So how tough was that to promote the film, or was it easier at the time? I don't know. I mean, I guess it could have been easier. I mean, we I remember my my other business partner at the time. I guess I call him business partner yeah. in that project. Yeah, yeah. But he he uh, his name was Adrian, and he he got on uh, sent out a bunch of press releases to okay. all the various news outlets, and and before you know it, we we're like going doing interviews at yeah. coffee shops with like. Arts and entertainment yeah. editor, you know, t- tell us about, you know, and at that time, Vegas was still kind of coming into its own. Yeah. You know, nowadays, I mean, people go, oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. You know, that's, that's nice. I mean, we're, we're a legitimate city now. Yeah. Vegas back in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands was really, uh, really kind of still a small town in yeah. a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. There's a thing I saw recently on Facebook about the map of Vegas from like, you know, I think 2000 to 2016, how it grew a lot. Yeah. And again, like you said, small town to now it's a mega town with, or mega city really, if you think about it, with the the Raiders, you got the MLS hopefully coming in next yeah. to uh, NBA most likely, and then MLB. Or yeah. Not, yeah. Baseball. Right. right no. Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so after doing that, getting the pressers, getting that, what do you go on to a next project or do you go into the ad space? Cause you mentioned that too. Well, we kind of did a little bit of both. You know, I knew that I had to feed myself. Yeah. Uh, and at that time I was working, I had a job, like mm-hmm. a, you know, a regular job. So we were doing like little side gigs, doing uh, like little videos for people's, yeah. you know, business, but still the internet wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to make commercials for people, you had to have some kind of relationship with like the local broadcasters, yeah, yeah. you know, or something like that. So there was a lot, still a little bit of bureaucracy and red tape. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a big uh, priority for us to really do the advertorial stuff. I think we, yeah. we, mo- we mostly focused on getting another film together. Yeah. So the guy that was the you know, director of the festival, he mm. said, Hey, why don't I want to throw some money in on a project? Okay. And I want to do a thing with you. So we worked together on a script and we made our second feature, Okay. you know, and that one was the first one that was actually picked up by a distributor. Oh, wow. You know, and we, that, that changed everything. Like so no just, sophomore slump. <laughs> no sophomore slump. No sophomore. Well, I mean, the whole my entire life has been a sophomore slump. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, distribution's pretty big. I mean, if you think yeah. about it. Though. Well, I mean, you know, it, it sounds great for a lot of filmmakers that are, you know, like, wow, you get distribution. Yeah. But you know, getting distribution's easy. It really yeah, yeah. is. It's getting good distribution that's hard. Yeah. And and uh, what we discovered with that is that you know, at that time, we we had signed with probably one of the worst predatorial. Dis- distribution companies ever. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were like just the most notorious for, for when you mean predatorial, you mean like just going after young filmmakers yeah. and kind of taking yeah. advantage of them. Yeah. Because at that time, you know, they, they had a, a business model that was about building huge catalogs of content, regardless of what yeah. it was and selling those to foreign buyers. Yeah. And then basically uh, having just an unreasonable amount of expenses that were attached, attached to the, to the, mm. to the project. So that way, any money that would come back would always be washed up in quote unquote expenses. Mm-hmm. So the filmmaker never would receive a dime. Yeah. And even if they did, it would be, you know, it would take years to, to do it. So yeah. we had signed this terrible agreement and I'll never forget going to American film market um, a few years later to try to see if I could renegotiate. And mm-hmm. they were just, they were like, no, sorry, you got another five years and we're, you're screwed. You know, wow. like, sorry, we don't really, you're not interested. In and I just remember sitting on the deck of the Lowe's hotel, which is where they do the, yeah. AMF, yeah, uh, American film market. Yeah. yeah. Looking at the ocean thinking, do I quit? Uh, cause this sucks. Yeah. yeah. And like if this is, the, but, or, or, or what do I do? And so I made this, this decision at that moment to learn as much as I could mm-hmm. about the industry, Yeah, about that part of the industry. Yeah. In fact, so much that 
the creative, the storytelling part became almost second to me. Okay. You know, and I, I wanted to learn as much as I could about that part of the industry because it wasn't just me. I was talking to other filmmakers on the floor that mm. were having the same problem yeah. and it was an epidemic that was happening at that time. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it was, you know, to the point where I'm like, God, if, if, if somebody from Congress knew what was going on, they would like shut this thing down. Yeah, like yeah. this is like <laughs> such a racket. It was like yeah. organized crime, you know? And it was so just disgusting, like that kind of environment that I had to do something. I couldn't just get mad about it. I had to learn and I had to figure out how to beat them mm. at their own game. Gotcha. You know, so, you know, it, it just worked out because at that point the internet comes along yeah. and now all of a sudden people are able to distribute content easily, more easily mm -hmm. through internet s sources. Well, two questions was first one is, the deal was like a, it was a yearly deal. It wasn't like a five picture deal or a three picture deal. No, it was just for that film. Oh, okay. uh, but they, they, they had it in the way they, they really hooked us up was they, uh, they said, look, you know, we, we like your movie. Mm -hmm. it, the, the quality isn't like the greatest, which yeah. it really wasn't. It was our second feature yeah. film, you know, but uh, you know, Hey, uh, we liked the concept. It was right around the time that CSI mm -hmm. hit the TV screen. Yeah. It's a brand new series. And so CSI was really hot and they liked the idea of like it being like a Vegas thing. And our, and our, our movie involved um, like a, kind of like a Watergate scandal type okay. thing where, you know, you had these like covert operations of politicians yeah. like breaking in and stealing so stuff. Noir? New, it was new R very much. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So we had this kind of thing. So it was, it was in that vein. So they, they liked that, that concept. And they, they, I remember having this big fancy lunch with them at the Beverly Hills hotel. And, you know, mm. I'm some schmo just sitting there <laughs> like, you know, some punk kid, yeah. you know, like, what am I doing? How, how old were you at the time? Time, I mean, I was, I was probably just barely 22 years old. At yeah. The so time. you're young and just like, you're learning so much yeah. like, from that experience. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm sitting there and they're going, they're talking about Warner brothers yeah. and sitting at the Beverly Hills hotel and you're just believing everything that these, yeah. these, these people are saying to you. And at the end, you know, it was just like, no, actually we don't, we're not really going to do anything with it. We're mm -hmm. just going to sit on this, you know, because we hear all the time. Yeah. You know, for yeah. you, this is a big deal. But for us, this is just on the yeah. way home. It's just, it's just, you know, a normal Monday for us. Right. Yeah. Right. So the second question I had for you is you mentioned um, when you had that distribution deal, they are kind of, I mean, not, well, I don't know if you said cannibalized, but it was basically like them having all that content and kind of like not really distributing in that sense. Don't you feel like that's happening today as well too? If you think, if you kind of like look at the spectrum of like Amazon or a YouTube or, you know, even like. Yeah, I'll just use Amazon uh, YouTube because if you go on Amazon trying to find someone's movie, movie, like I have to know you to find your movie. It's hard right. to find because the customers, what they recommend, and then like they go three doors down to like the third section of over there to the left, like five over, and then I finally find your movie. No, I think of uh, filmmaking or distribution is kind of like, I'm sure like how the Revolutionary War was. You had the British that occupied yeah. the, the the States and you know we, we once they were gone, there was a new you know, kind of a new uh, oppressor. And yeah. It was the people that lived here, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's like, it's just, it's just from one guard to the next. Yeah. I mean, it's not really, you know, the democratization of filmmaking has happened in a lot of ways, but it's also kind of reverted back to the old model mm -hmm. of a gatekeeper, yeah. you know, and, and we've had, we found some success on Amazon, mm -hmm. you know, and we've had, I think it, it's just forced us to be a lot more strategic, Gotcha. but yeah, okay. I would agree that, you know, there are still a lot of similarities to like how that business is operated and how it's, how it, how it used to be and how yeah. it is today. Gotcha. And then, so after the second movie, you had that revelation on the, on the thing to learn everything. So what do you do next? You just go into the third movie and you're like, everything we're doing is different. And I'm reading every deal that comes through my, 
my door. I wish it were like that. <laughs> you know, I still had this business partner and, and as lovely as a person as he was at that time, I think he, he was really pressing for this, this kind of lofty kind of comedy and, and everything we, every, everyone we spoke to was like, look, don't do a comedy. Don't mm. do a comedy. Don't do a comedy. Why not? Why not? Uh, because it's harder to sell at your mm. level. Like if you want to, if at your level, you should be doing horror films or yeah. like action movies or something like that because comedies, people don't laugh at comedies all the way through. Um, and so, and so, you know, basically, basically if you, if you look at comedy, the, the realm of comedy, what we find funny in Tokyo is not yeah. necessarily what we find funny in England and so forth and so forth. Yeah. So the buyers are very selective mm. in terms of what they're looking for. Right. True. If that yeah. makes any sense. No, it makes sense. It yeah, makes yeah. sense. Cause like wedding crashers in Tokyo is going to probably bomb the wedding crashers out here. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. more of a domestic thing. Okay. Right. Interesting. So then you don't do, you do the comedy or you don't do, we the, do comedy? the comedy. So you, so you don't listen to anyone. <laughs> hey, you know what? You live and learn, right? Well, you know, we lived and learn. We, so my, my, my partner at the time was like, yeah. look, we're going to do this comedy. You know, it's going to be good. Uh, we found a producing partner that had some huge accolades that was going to mm-hmm. elevate us. I remember us auditioning. Uh, we were, we'd probably seen over a hundred people in yeah. LA and, and, and so we were, I mean, it was like the big time for us. Yeah. And we were, we were working on almost having a close to a hundred thousand, hundred thousand dollar budget at that oh, time. Wow. And that was a big deal for yeah, us, yeah. you know, and it was going to be a union film and all these things. Okay. So toward the latter part of it, you know, the relationship collapsed and, you know, some, some bad politics between my partner and the other producing partner, things kind of mm-hmm. fell through. So it ended up being, we landed with this highly complicated comedy that we had to pull off with pretty much nothing. Oh my gosh. And so we had to do it. So we just went out and did the best we could. We shot this movie. Um, and the movie ultimately went nowhere because it was a union film and it, the cost of getting it bought out of its contract at mm. that time, that was before SAG had yeah. any micro budget contracts. Uh, we, we had to, in order to elevate it out of that, yeah. you know, there's a lot of money we had to pay out for workers comp and, yeah. and elevate it. So it just didn't make sense for us to pay another 50 or 15 to $20,000 oh to elevate our contract just so we could sell the movie. Wow. Yeah. So the my, my producer said, you know what? Moving on. So you just moved on. Yeah. But you know, through that, you know, I got a chance to meet, uh, you know, I met my wife through mm-hmm. that. Uh, I met a lot of great people through yeah. that process you know, and, and, and so it wasn't a complete loss, obviously, okay. yeah, you yeah. know, but it, it really opened my eyes to my, my business structure. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I decided I, I, I don't need any more partners. Gotcha. So then when did you open Indie Film Factory? Was that after this or was it? It was after this. So okay. we had went on, we had made another movie called You People, which was, I consider it almost like my first movie, even okay. though it was like my third or third. Why do you third. consider it your first? Well, is it considered your first movie because you have no business partners? No now? business partners. Okay. You know, and I Makes had sense, complete yeah. say, so we did this and it was a comedy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, at the time I was- You didn't learn. No. <laughs> I didn't learn. No, no. But at that time I realized one thing. So we had had a, a little web series called Smidgets and it okay. was doing very well. We, we had, had a lot of videos that had went quote unquote viral, had been over a million views. Oh wow. That's a yeah, little viral. And, and so we, we had, we had some, some major success doing comedy, short form comedy. Now is that uh YouTube when YouTube's yeah. around? Okay. Yeah. So Google had barely just purchased uh, uh, YouTube. That's what 2011 probably somewhere around. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we said, you know, Hey, well, let's try to do a feature. We've got all these comedians and people mm. around us. So we're, we're yeah. having some success with this. So we did this movie called you people, which actually was a critically acclaimed little comedy. Yeah. It was produced really cheap and it looks yeah. cheesy, but it, it, it spoke to ra- racial indifference and racial satire, mm-hmm. which at that time was, I think in its height, because you had, you had a presidential uh, kind of uh, election around that time 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of conversations about immigration. Yeah. And so we had it, we, we created a, a satire about these people that created this racially offensive board game. Gotcha. You know, and it, and it took off, it just took off. And so, you know, commercially it, it's not done what we wanted, but I mean, I've made my money back on yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it in Amazon and all that stuff? It is on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. And then did you put that in the film festivals or anything of that we nature? We did. And that was probably the, the most film festival experience I've ever had okay. in my career because that movie had been in probably close to, you know, 10 film festivals. Okay. You know, and, and so through that, I, I learned the essence of filmmaking through film festivals and how yeah. to how to use film festivals for what they were. Now, are they all local Vegas film festivals or just one? No, no, yeah. they were all over the country. Okay, cool. Yeah. What was the best, what was the coolest country or what was the coolest place you went to during that time? I would say that it was the Temecula Film Festival, the Temecula Tem- Valley Film where, Festival. Temecula, is that, where is it's, that? It's on the way to San Diego. Okay. It's just wine country out there. Oh, okay. And it's I've never a, been there, so I don't. They don't have that film festival anymore, but the people that put it on was such a lovely experience. They mm. really cared about their film yeah. filmmakers. I remember getting a, we were in a parade. Oh, wow. You know, at the top of the week. You know, they had. They was had, the Rose Bowl? No, it was amazing. <laughs> That's and awesome. They, they had, they just, it was a great setup and we made a lot of great friends. And one yeah. of the things that we did is we used that festival when we were there, uh, you know, we, we were promoting other people's things yeah. and we ended up promoting other people's movies. And by then, you know, and so, and I was like, Hey, let's, let's go up here and let's support other people. Let's not be those guys that just come up, watch their movie and go home. We're going to be here for the whole week. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, Let's have some fun. Let's make it. So we made so many friends, friends I still have to this day. It's all about networking too. Like that's the reason for yeah. film festivals as right. well too. Uh, that's that's great, man. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so you make this film, you do the you people. Then what do you do next? So after you people, I realized, look, I can't do another comedy. I've got to yeah. do something. So we did a movie called Territory Eight. Okay, which is like a, a yeah, kind of a thriller, like yeah. an action thriller, uh, post apocalyptic kind mm-hmm. of setting. Um, we had a, a lot of great support through the local film office here, Nevada film office and through Danette Toll, who uh, was gracious enough to get us that location. Uh, she found us this amazing water treatment facility. We mm-hmm. shot this movie in there and, and, and it elevated the production yeah. uh, through that. Then we, we got distribution for, for territory eight. Yeah. Um, and the movie didn't do so well, but the movie is now doing well. pretty well. It, does that one have a companion book with it too? No, so the next one does. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And also another question for you too is did you go to digital yet or are you at video still? So well we were st- we were still shooting uh no no we we at that point we were shooting still uh, yeah. uh well see so territory 8 uh we shot some of it with uh Sony's and we shot okay. some of it with the red camera. Oh wow. Okay, so what was um was that your first digital film then? No, no. I mean, well, I mean, all of my movies have been video based. My, uh, I mean, digital, yeah, digital. like uh, SD cards and stuff yes, like that. Yeah, yeah correct. Okay. That would have been, yeah, that would have been. The what first. was that experience like shooting with the red and stuff like that? How'd awesome, you, how'd man. you feel? Like, how like, did you feel like I'm now a filmmaker? Like, did you feel like, like <laughs> yeah, elevated to you know, that it, position? It, like, it did make us feel a little, uh, yeah. pretty cool. I mean, just to be in that location yeah, yeah. was cool, you know? Yeah. Like, wow, you know, we where's had, that location at? Like, it, so it's a, it's way in the west part of the valley, mm-hmm. or excuse me, the east part of the valley. Um, they don't allow filming to be there anymore because okay. they, they've had some bad experiences. What you guys do? No, I'm kidding. no, we we actually have had a great relationship with them. Um, in fact, in between that movie Territory Eight and Alien Domicile, which we also shot at that place, there was some some bad things that had happened, and we had to really plead with them to let us come back. And they yeah. were at the end of it, they were like, "Well, you can come back." Only you. That's we'll nice. Only let yeah. you come back because you, we love you. You're great. You're fantastic. Yeah. You take care of the place. 
you know, so that was, so we, we went back, we shot yeah. alien domicile yeah. and then, you know, alien domicile was shot pretty much in the same kind of environment. We did the same. I learned about how to compartmentalize productions better, okay. how I could, how I could maximize the scope by keeping the location count and the cast size down. Gotcha. Whereas the other previous movies I had 10, 15 actors and yeah. hundred different locations. And it was very complicated. Yeah. Now, now you wrote the book also for alien domicile, right? Too. Yes. Now what came first, the book or the movie? And also do you, I forgot to ask you this too. Do you write all, have you wrote, written all your movies since you broke up with your business partner? I've written all my scripts. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, and now asking you that too, what was that experience like writing your scripts and writing the, even the first one too? And like writing them, like, do you feel like you get better? Obviously you probably get better every time you feel like, um, what is, how do you think of your ideas? What, like, what is your process? You know, it, it's funny. Cause like I will, I will see a headline on, in the news yeah, and immediately it sparks the idea for a movie. Okay. And then I'll go down a road of all, I'll, I'll take six or seven months of just developing the idea. And sometimes they go absolutely nowhere Okay, and they go on just a shoebox. I've got yeah. a whole, I had a whole folder on my, on like hard drives yeah. and just ideas that have gone nowhere that have been great ideas, but they're just not, it's not the time to do yeah. those right now. Have you gone back to them and go, okay, let me fix this and that. Some of them, but yeah. I've also stay, like stolen from some of them and brought yeah. them into other movies that okay. I ended up using down the road, yeah. you know? So you're like, ah, I have to delete this one now. Cause right. Used, okay. <laughs> right. Right. So then going back to alien domicile, the book or the movie first. So it was the movie first okay. and then the book. And okay. At that time, I, I just, I was like, wow, this is so difficult to make movies. Like there's yeah. gotta be another apparatus. So, and, and so with, with Amazon being so lucrative for mm -hmm. us at that time, I thought, well, why not make a companion book to help promote it? And so it worked out well. Now is the companion book like, uh, like those official to the book movie, um, companion books, or is it like a sequel prequel to the movie? No, it's an, it's a companion. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's the movie, the oh, novelization yeah. of the movie. But what was different about the book was I had the ability to kind of expand on things that I didn't have the budget to do in the movie. You know gotcha. what I mean? Yeah, no, I get you. Cause I, I like when, uh, I read some of that, like sometimes and like, uh, I think Terminator did that with yeah. certain things or like Alien, I think also. Oh, movies always do that, like where they add on to what you didn't know and then right. like, well, now that makes more sense to add right. that to the movie. So, okay, so what was that experience shooting Alien Domicile, learning to carp... carp I cannot speak today. <laughs> <laughs> Compartmentalize? Yes, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we, we, we started getting really good at it. Yeah. You know, and the team and I, we, we struck a rhythm, mm -hmm. you know, on how to, how to put these things together. And, and, and we, we had the, the ability to work with great... Uh, artists like Michael Tusshouse and mm -hmm. Omar Gomez yeah. and Mark Johnson, all these guys that are our local yeah. guys here in, in our community. Uh, and, and they brought a whole new set of quality to the, mm -hmm. the film that elevated it in a way that yeah. we were being competitive. Okay. You know, so when alien domicile came out, I mean, we were released in Redbox yeah. the same week that you had battleship released. I mean, even though battleship was, you know, a lot of people hate that movie, but yeah, I mean, yeah. this is a multi-million dollar film studio film. Mm -hmm. And we're on the same shelf as this movie. That's pretty and, impressive. Yeah. You know, our movie costs less than probably that catering budget. Oh, you wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's to that extent that we discovered that if we can produce movies very cheaply, mm. but at a high quality, yeah. if I could figure out what that math is, mm -hmm. then we can dominate the marketplace. The distributor that gotcha. we were working with at the time was, was completely in sync with that. Okay. And that has become their apparatus and how they're taking over the market. And now mm. they're the, they're the second largest independent film distributor oh, wow. in the world. That's incredible. Yeah. Now question, let me ask you this. Um, I read an article about a 
two or three years ago, maybe. So it might be outdated, but there's an uh, interesting thing. They were talking about the independent film market and how it's cannibalizing itself in, in the regards to you make a movie for cheap and then like you pay so-and-so the little amount of money they could. And then the, the movie won't make its money back. And then you're getting recycled. People are trying to find jobs and then recycled it to do another movie for cheap. And then same vicious cycle happens. Like, how do you, how do you combat that? Well, I mean, I, I think there's, there's cheap, and then there's what it needs to really cost. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think I think that's it. There there are people out there shooting movies for like thousand bucks. Yeah. You know, and like how do you how do you make a movie for? Th- I mean, you yeah. can, but nobody's getting paid. Nobody's mm-hmm. eating lunch. Yeah. Nobody's being safe. Yeah. You know, no, they're stealing locations. So I mean, there there's those things that you can do to get the job done. Mm. But on a commercial level, you're never going to elevate yourself. I think that I think the sweet spot for me is like producing movies like between thirty and fifty. Okay. Uh, maybe sixty thousand dollars because with that budget that allows you to at least feed your crew pay Mm. your crew uh and and shoot a 80 page script within a 15 to 20 day period okay so you shoot 15 to 20 days yeah but you don't need 30 people on set and you don't need 40 actors you need five actors you need you need three locations gotcha and that's the math so you stay at a minimum cast in the sense of characters the minimum locations in the sense of obviously locations. Right. So like just going to one, lo- like you had three locations, but was it three locations in the same area or the same place? Well, you know, getting the water reclamation yeah. place was great because it had, you know, had rooms mm-hmm. and everything. So you, we didn't have to do any company moves, but yeah. we could have, you know, interior laboratory, interior hallway, interior yeah. basement. And it's all approximately yeah. right there. Gotcha. So then, what was the editing process like for that? Did you edit that film? Did I you? did. Okay. You know, and that's another way I'm able to, uh, sorry, that's another way mm-hmm. I'm able to, to, uh, save money yeah. on my films is because I do the editing. What was the edit process like? Was it, was it easy for you to do that edit or was it like, a, what was the, ch- or the challenge? What was the challenge for that? Well, it just becomes tedious. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and life is happening. Yeah. Life doesn't slow down. Is it hard like, do you kill your, to kill your own babies as they, as they call it? Well, I don't think so because as you're going through it for me, mm-hmm. uh, once I'm done shooting a movie, that's it. Like yeah. I, I just want to get it done. Mm-hmm. I want to get it. And once the movie's done, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. I don't dwell on it. I'm ready to start thinking about the next thing. Gotcha. So for me, I don't, I don't really uh, hold on to those things. Now I don't want somebody cutting my movie up. Yeah. So like my distributor, they have to ask me for permission to do anything, yeah. you know? Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, as long as it makes the movie better, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll chop it up as much as I need to. Now, question: Did you have like what was the rough cut time for that? Like, did it come out shorter or did it come out longer? Because I, as, especially as a director. Well, you know, I, I I find that I don't overshoot. Okay. So it's very tight. Okay. Always tight. Gotcha. I mean, I may trim a few minutes off here and there, but that that's it. I mean, I don't have a lot of fat on my on my turkey. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because I'm I'm I I'm on the mind where I like to have a long script in a general sense, and then just in case have everything shot out, and then I can just trim all that fat if I need to. That's yeah. in my mind. I mean, I, I I like what you do too. But I mean, a fifteen or twenty extra pages on the end of a script could be the matter of ten thousand dollars. Well, that's true too. You know, or another six days of shooting. Yeah. So like for me, it's like, okay, if I can make an 80 page script and it's really tight and trust mm. me, I go through a dozen drafts before yeah. I'm even ready to go. We, the hardest part is cutting the scenes from the script. Okay. It's not cutting the scenes during the edit. Yeah. It's cutting those scenes from the script. Gotcha. Cause yeah, cause you have, it's, it's the same way I'm thinking with the edit too. Cause you still need to figure out is the A plot and the B plot going to work out? Is the, you know, if I cut the B plot, will it make sense to the A plot and all those other things you're thinking about too? So like you're saying a dozen, a dozen revisions. Wow. 
Well, here's the other thing. I had the opportunity to meet uh, legendary filmmaker George Sidney before he passed mm. away. George Sidney did uh, Viva Las Vegas, Anchors Away, and to Get Your Gun. Uh, he was one of the first like producers guild uh, or directors guilds um, uh, presidents. I mean, the guy was a legend. You know, went golfing with Walt Disney for God's sake. Oh, nice. You know? So, so this guy. Hey, so you're six degrees away. From- six degrees away from Walt yeah. Disney. But I remember asking him. I said, "What do you think's the best advice you could give to a director?" And we, he, he looked at me and he pointed at me in his little raspy voice. He says, "Only shoot what you need." <laughs> and I said, "Wow, that's awesome." <laughs> and I and he goes, "Don't, don't." He's like, "Don't do what they tell you in film school. Only shoot what you need." <laughs> And I'll, I'll never forget him saying that. And, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's perfect. So yeah. when I, when I address my, my filmmaking, uh-huh. my, our shot list are very much like, I don't shoot a lot of master yeah. shots and, you know, fluff. Like I don't So no, no Spielberg wonders. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's what I do. I shoot, I shoot everything like developing masters yeah. is what I do. Yeah. And uh, my DP that I work with, especially on the last movie, mm. Abigail haunting, you know, we, we had, I think we counted, it was like 60 shots. Wow. That entire film. Do, do you do storyboards or shot list? Shot list. Okay, no storyboards. Sometimes storyboards. Why do you, now let me ask you this. I always, I, I'm of the mind of shot list over storyboards personally. Yeah. Why would someone want to use a storyboard? Well, it's if you're doing an action sequence. So it's, it's basically for action sequences? Yeah. So if okay. you need to know, oh, you know, get this, you, you want to be able to show your your team yeah. uh, what those elements are mm-hmm. so they don't they don't hurt themselves. Oh, you want them to be, you want them to be surprised? <laughs> it could be. They'll be usually they are surprised regardless. So then after after Alien Domicile, you premiered, I'm guessing, film festivals against no, circuit. Or no, no, we went straight to market with that okay. and we did not do a premiere. And okay. we told everybody, hey, we, we actually were pretty strategic about mm-hmm. it. We told the distributor we're gonna release the movie because we still owned our Amazon rights. Yeah. So we always own some of our rights. And that was something that I had learned dealing with that first d- disastrous mm-hmm. distribution contract I had back in the yeah. you know the late 90s. Is that in general like owning the rights on Amazon if you put it to Amazon or yeah, is that But you know now you can upload your stuff to you know you there's tons of different things you could still mm-hmm. elevate your content but the idea is to be able to have some skin in the game. If you yeah. give everything to the distributor then it gives you no control whatsoever of the compression of the, the content. So gotcha. if you want to release it or do any kind of events, because at the very least you have to use your movie as a marketing tool yeah. for your ancillary businesses, yeah. whether it's you writing books about it mm-hmm. or having a studio yeah, yeah. or running a video production company. Gotcha. I mean, I feel like that's the same way also with film festivals, my personal opinion. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the other second half of the podcast. But um, so you had the rights you just drop it on Amazon. You have it. Do you like tease people with it? Do you, what's the marketing strategy for this then? Uh, well, you know, so we told everybody, Hey, it's going to go down. Uh, I think it was like labor day weekend mm-hmm. or something. And, yeah, yeah. and we just put it up and we timed it out and we had probably a thousand people crash Amazon to watch oh, wow. that movie. So what it did is it told Amazon the robots that this yeah. was something. So, you know, it, it skyrocketed. It landed in the top 20 of science fiction for almost two years. Oh wow. And the thing just wouldn't go away. And I mean, granted, it also didn't help. It didn't hurt that it had the movie, the title Alien yeah. on it when Alien Covenant was just coming out. So perfect timing. So perfect timing. The, the distributor was very strategic in the title. So everything worked out and it became our most successful movie to date. Did you have any alternate titles for that movie? Oh, I was going to call it Domicile. And the distributor oh, okay. goes, what the hell is a domicile? I'm like, well, you know, it's like an underground dwelling. With yeah, yeah. He's like, no, I don't even know what that is. He's like, don't call it that. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Call it Alien because it starts with an A. Yeah. And he was spot on. And at first I'm like, that sounds so cheesy. Uh-huh. So cheesy. <laughs> but then I'm like, hey, now I look at it and I go, well, hey, you know. it's And you're in a thing for two years. Over 120 yeah. some odd countries. Yeah. Uh, dubbed in 30 different languages. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, and the movies, the movies made, you know, made its money back and then some, so I can't, I can't complain. Yeah. yeah. And then when do you think of the idea for Abigail? Cause that's the next one, right? Yeah. I mean, we were kind of thinking about that on the way out of alien domicile. Uh, now, one question of, real quick yeah. for Abigail, were you listening to King diamond at all? No, 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 I wasn't, but I went to, have you seen, are you a fan of the, the conjuring series? I've, I've seen, uh, I think the first, first or second one, I think I remember I was out with a friend and we were watching this movie and, uh, it was called, uh, Annabelle. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was like Annabelle two. And I'm okay. like, I didn't know they had an Annabelle one. So like <laughs> we were watching. Surprise. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here and I was, at the time I was making, getting ready to make another sci-fi and I was sitting there going, holy crap. I got to do a ghost movie. This yeah. is it. This is because I'm watching grown grown men jump out of their seats. Yeah. These little gags. And I go, we're making the wrong movie. I literally called the distributor from the lobby of the movie theater. Mm. And I said, we're going to make a ghost movie. Yeah. And he goes, okay. <laughs> now what's the challenges of making a ghost film? Cause especially like jump scares, you have to get them right. Now is that, is that a, that's a big challenge. I'm guessing. I don't know if I, I don't know. I mean, only time will tell how I handle this. I think okay. I made a really creepy movie, but okay. I mean, I, I took, I stole some techniques out of certain playbooks, but yeah. at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to work. Cause a lot of people are expecting the gags. Yeah. Uh, and so you just got to kind of, you know, you, you, you trick them into thinking one thing and you, you scare them the other mm. way, or you show them that, Hey, there's a monster behind the, the curtain. Yeah. You're still going to open the curtain. Yeah. So you know, it's going to be terrifying. Yeah. And we use those gags and those sometimes are the most effective. Gotcha. And then uh, how long did it take you to write An Annabelle? Or Abigail. Ab so, Abigail sorry. Uh, yeah, Abigail. Yeah, Annabelle. I've never written that one. <laughs> There's two of them here. No, uh, so, so Abigail, we, it took me, uh, so, so Charisma, who my wife and business mm. partner, she, her and I worked on this script for- Hey, I thought you said no more business partners. No. Well, you know, if you're married, you got a business partner, whether you like it or not. So, you know, we worked on the script yeah. and we, we wrapped it up probably, it took us about six months to get okay. Yeah. What, what, was it difficult to write this ghost story? Is this being your first one too? Yes. But well, we, but we, we just looked at the beats and we, mm -hmm. we follow a, a, a particular beat structure and that's kind of what keeps us kind mm -hmm. of moving in the right direction. Were you watching just like, uh, and were you watching continuously Annabelle two just to get, beats I was watching down, everything. I was everything? watching the ring, the, the ring? conjuring, oh my gosh, the uh, ring. all those movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that I, I mean, I can't consider myself a yeah. huge horror fan, but mm. I do like ghost stories. Yeah. I always liked them growing up. Mm. I'm not into saw. I'm not yeah, into yeah. those kind of movies. Yeah, I, I saw saw three in theaters and I'm like, yeah, I'm never again. Yeah. Will I watch this, but I do, I do enjoy a, a good, a good ghost movie. Yeah. And then, so, how, when did you start filming that? Where did you film it? What, what was the process like for that? Well, you know, we shot this movie in Sloan, Nevada. Um, uh, a funny story. Uh, we were going to shoot it in Cannon city, Colorado and the house that we had paid money for mm -hmm. and, and went up there and spent a lot of money to, to secure. It was this beautiful old Victorian house. Oh, wow. Uh, but then the last month prior to shooting, the owner decided to sell the house or to just, she wanted to, put it on the market or something. So it, it compromised everything that we were going to do. So I, I remember calling. How close to shooting were you? I mean, we were about a month out. Oh. So, you know, and I'd spent thousands of dollars yeah. up in Colorado to get that thing. We'd hired people. Mm. So we had to fire people. And then oh, we, had to, we had to face the reality yeah. of either uh, closing the movie down and postponing it or just piling through and finding something. So with, with the help of like the Nevada Film Office again, mm. Uh, they, they were able to, uh, help us kind of secure some locations here. Uh, one of our producers happened to know a guy that he, he does real estate on the, mm -hmm. on the side. Yeah. He had sold this old Perfect. trailer house. Oh, okay. I was Sloan to this guy and he goes, Hey, I got this trailer. I don't know if you'd like it, but just, just take a look. Yeah. Don't say no. Just take a look. Yeah. Go out there, brought the DP. Mm -hmm. We're like, this is it. 
Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> House turned out better than yeah. we could have expected. Happy. Uh, not really. Ser- serendipitous. Ser- yeah. Serendipitous. So then shooting the, shooting the film, what was that experience like shooting your first horror? I mean, sure. Yeah. First ghost story. I mean, shooting that, doing all that stuff. Was it, did it go smooth? Butter smooth? Butter smooth. Butter smooth. Now we have, you know, we, every production is going to have it. Yeah. No production goes butter smooth. Well, yeah, you that's know. true. But, but you, hey, you, you know, we, we didn't have any, you know, huge debacles. Yeah. There was nothing, no huge stuff. We, it was pretty smooth. I think the hardest thing we had to contest with was just that we had a few crazy days of rain. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, uh, just the elements of, uh, just trying to work the makeup for, for a mm-hmm. ghost kid. Now, did you use that? Like, chance of shooting in the rain because rain's very rare here it, it is rare fortunately uh when you when you're dealing with continuity yeah and a lot of the scenes are taking place in one day okay you know it's hard to <laughs> yeah. to do that but we had some beautiful landscape out there mm-hmm. that we were able to capture and it really made it you know it doesn't you don't feel yeah like the movies you know in las vegas 10 miles yeah. away from the strip awesome and then are you in post-production right now still uh, the movie's actually being delivered. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it'll so, be a market. Uh, it comes out, um, when is this podcast This out? is technically episode 48, so you are in November-ish, I think. I don't remember exactly. So if you're, if I'm in November right now, yeah. that movie's been out for, I'm, I'm talking to the people Perfect. in the in the future here. Any Black Friday sales? <laughs> so anyway, the, the movie will be available uh, on Amazon. Yeah. It'll be available, it's available, I should say it's available at this yeah. point on Amazon. And the and link will be in the description now. Perfect, yeah. And so you'll also have it in uh, various platforms such as Tubi. Okay. You know, um, I, I think they're, they're discussing the possibilities of doing uh, some cable, oh, cable cool. releases for it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, our, our, our guys do a pretty good job. That's awesome. Uh, especially what, I mean, you are doing the Amazon thing too. And has you slowly gone to Tubi? What is Tubi? I mean, I, I have heard of it very little. Well, Tubi is another platform that allows people to put up content, but mm. it's, it's through aggregators or through distributors. Okay. They're not like Amazon where they got an open door, yeah. but they, they allow people to watch movies for free. Okay. And basically you just watch an ad so, so, so it's ad revenue. So, so it's like AVOD. Okay. A-V-O-D. Yeah. It's so just like YouTube. But they don't take like a 90% of your cut. Right. Okay. Yeah. Amazon, uh, you know, YouTube uh, set the standard. Mm-hmm. Amazon followed YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of these other platforms will eventually follow. Have, have you ever thought of doing your own platform, like a uh, OTT service? Yeah. We have our distributors doing that. Okay. He's got a, a thing called Wash TV, okay. Western action, sci-fi horror TV. Um, the problem with, with it is that, you need a ton of money to market it yeah. on Roku or wherever it's going to yeah, be. Yeah. And you need a ton of content. Yeah. So unless you're a distributor and that's what you're doing, mm-hmm. I can't, I'd have to produce 10 movies a year to keep up with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time though, you could become the distributor too. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and trust me, that's been an end game for us for a long time yeah. in terms of, but, but you know, right now we're happy with our partnership. Yeah. We're happy with the, the relationship that we have with our company, mm. uh, our, our distribution partners. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Hey, it's, uh, it's a process, but yeah. I think, I think, um, it's, it's like anything it'll change and we just mm. got to keep moving forward. Gotcha. And then what is next on your agenda of what to do? Uh, I think I'm just going to go have a sandwich. Yeah. Oh, you mean after the, no, yeah, no. <laughs> well, I mean, Hey, what kind of sandwich, <laughs> you ate, by the way? No, I mean, I, I think, uh, <laughs> we're, we're developing some other ideas. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at drama. I'm looking at action okay. drama right now. I okay. don't know if I'm going to do sci-fi noir? or maybe noir. All right. Oh man. I love a good noir. <laughs> I do love a good noir. Perfect. For, yes. So we're on the second half of the podcast. Now this is when I ask you, cause I'm trying to figure out the film in film community out here. Cause I think it's a very interesting, interesting ball of wax. Now 
what are the what do you think are the strengths and weaknesses of the film community out here as well as what do you think we can do to get to the next level let's start with the positives in life we'll start with the strengths okay i should have called in my friend who who we seen walking here earlier would, would you like we can we can she she's she's uh she's very prominent in our community uh, her name's Danette Tull okay so if you need uh, let me just put it put it this way this film community uh has has really transformed over the okay. last few years and i see a great deal of potential in the youth Mm. of the film industry out here. Yeah. You know, um, you're starting to see new people moving in from different cities such mm. as New York or Chicago yeah. or, or Los Angeles who have, who have made Las Vegas their home, who've left that environment. And, but they've also been able to bring their skill sets, their techniques and their, their strengths to, to Southern Nevada yeah. as a whole. But at the end of the day, what I'm interested in isn't mm-hmm. so much of the industry as a whole of like, okay, we're just here waiting for work to come in so we can go get a job. Yeah. You know, I'm here to make movies, produce content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think eventually you're starting to see the, you know, I think if the economy continues to develop and grow, the infrastructure continues to develop and grow. I, I believe you'll start seeing companies like Disney, mm-hmm. Netflix, Amazon that are building stages here that are yeah. doing things here eventually at some point, especially if there's tax incentives yeah. and things to, to grow the, the industry. But um, I, I think that's where the magic will really happen at some mm. point, but it's coming, it's coming to, to its own. I mean, I feel like I hear that all the time though. I've been, I've been here seven years. So I mean, I, and this is all from what I'm seeing and hearing on, on the Facebooks and stuff like that. And the social medias, I mean, you probably buy the, what was it? Buy the news, sell the rumors or sell the, buy the sell rumors, <laughs> sell the news, whatever it is. Something. Yeah. Something. But like, you know, I, uh, you know, when I moved out here in 2013, I worked for free money studios and, you know, at that time, everyone's saying, you know, films becoming big out here. Films becoming big out here. Then it kind of petered off and then it comes again and then peters off. So like, why is that? What is that like? Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's incentive yeah. challenges that the state has in some cases, there's logistical things mm-hmm. that are, you know, one of the difficulties, you know, and again, I, I should probably call my friend, uh, in this, into this conversation mm-hmm. because she knows better than me, but when it comes to the, the geographical location of Las Vegas, yeah. in a lot of ways, we're, we're almost too close to LA. Yeah. You know, I mean, for, for a place like New Mexico, you, you have to hire local, you have Mm -hmm. to move productions and stay there and facilitate here. It's easy for people to come do a day here and leave, you know, or spend two or three days here and leave, especially for like reality TV shows or Mm -hmm. travel magazine shows. Films are a little bit different. I mean, they've gotten uh, movies like Jason Bourne. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, You know, they had the mall cop movies, of course, the, the hangover series, you know, you're having more and more uh, things being filmed in yeah. Nevada, um, not just in Las Vegas, but even like up in up in the northern yeah. part of the state. So, you know, in that respect, um, you know, it, there's been a lot of growth and it's still yeah. continuing to be consistent. Um, but, you know, it, it I think it goes in waves. Yeah. You know, um, you, you'll have something and, I, and you have to remember, too, the production uh, system is very close knit. Mm. So if you have a good experience with this production, yeah. chances are that's going to get out to the other. Oh, that's a great place to shoot. Go shoot here. Now, this is all strengths, right? Now, what are the weaknesses? Let me ask you this one too, because this has been a this has been literally on almost every podcast who's been from locally here. They feel the the community out here is fractured and splintered, and there's clickishness clickishness to it. Yeah, I mean, I just had this conversation over my lunch meeting mm. today, and uh, yes, it's very fractured in in that respect. But you know, you got to remember too that you know the nature of our industry mm. is tribal. Yeah. It really is because if you work with what we do, the margin of error yeah. is so small. Mm-hmm. You don't have a huge margin of error. Yeah. 
you know, a good cameraman's a good cameraman. They don't grow on trees. Yeah. Uh, a good sound guy is a good sound guy or a girl, whatever. Uh, you know, they don't grow on trees, yeah. you know? So you, when you find good people or people that you can work with, that you create and collaborate with, mm-hmm. it's hard to step out of those boundaries yeah. by natural law, by yeah. just natural law. Yeah, yeah. So no matter where you're at, whether it's LA or Chicago or New York, you're mm. going to find groups and pockets of people that are fractured in that respect. Gotcha. But you're starting to see, you know, we try to, we, you know, you see the Nevada film office, you mm. see different studios, there's quantum arc media yeah. that's that, you know, we work a lot with them. We mm. work with all, and, and we're throwing these events. We're throwing an event uh, at our studio tomorrow night. Uh, which I hope you're you're in attendance to, but we we do these things because it gives it gives us an opportunity to see who else is there, yeah, and get to know people. Gotcha, you know, gotcha. yeah. So I mean, I mean, also going back to the point of you know growing as well and the tribalism too. It's like you know you talked about this a little bit earlier to grow as a filmmaker. You know, you have to use other people as well in your projects. Yeah, I mean, and that and that's a that's the issue as well. I think too with the, with the whole tribalism too right. thing too. Right, is like you can only get better as a director and I can only get better as a camera person by, you know, going on someone else's projects. I mean, I'd love to work with you all the time, but at the same time to grow, you can't. And then another question I have for you too, with the weaknesses, uh, any other weaknesses by the way too, that you see? Well, you know, it's getting expensive. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are moving here from Southern California and they're mm. used to the way things are done there. Yeah. So I think, you know, as our city grows mm. and as the demographics change, yeah. uh, the, 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 it's not a small town anymore. Yeah. You know, I used to be able to pick up a phone and call a bakery or something and say, mm. Hey, can I film? Yeah, no problem. We love that. Now yeah. it's, it's difficult. Now yeah. it's like, well, you know, we got to talk to her, send it to our lawyer and mm-hmm. you know, then there's a lot of things or, Hey, we got this huge location fee, yeah. you know, or if you want to film somewhere, don't talk to the owner, talk to the person who manages our property and yeah. they don't care. Yeah. So all they say is like, it's going to cost you $10,000 a day. Oh you my know? gosh. So, so you, you're running into that more and more uh, yeah. in Southern Nevada. Um, I don't know how it is necessarily in Reno. It could be the same, could be the more, I don't know. But well, it's I, the second biggest little city, right? Yes, of course. But I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, people are catching on to yeah. the value of production and mm-hmm. what it could mean if you have a location. Uh, you know, and, and plus people have been have been taken advantage of. Yeah. You know, if you've got a house and you've had a bad experience, well, if you're, you know, next time these guys ask me, I'm going to really charge them a lot of money. Yeah. You know, so when the, the independent film guy comes in, they don't associate them being small, local. Yeah. They say, oh, those are the guys that screwed us last time. You know, so I think in a lot of ways, that's the biggest challenge is the locational aspect of it. But again, hands down, this is still one of the yeah. easiest cities to film in, in terms of getting permits. If, yeah. As long as you're prepared, if you come in last minute, mm-hmm. not going to be that easy. Yeah, definitely. But if you're prepared and you have some time and you're organized and you have the things that you need to have, the process should go fairly smooth. It's yeah. going to go a lot smoother here than it would, let's say, in Beverly Hills. I mean, I've been to Beverly Hills. And or that, Manhattan. Yeah, well, that's true, too. I mean, I do like the locations of Manhattan, though. Manhattan's oh great. I've shot, I've shot in Manhattan, yeah. and, and, and it's it's... It's a fantastic you, city, but it's, it's a lot of work. Do you think the hustle too, I mean, the hustle is totally different too. in like, you know, Vegas to, I mean, in the sense, cause something I've noticed, I think too, is two things is like, you know, I've seen a lot of people that talk about their projects, right. Mm-hmm. And then you hear about it. You don't see anything. You don't see the results. And so maybe like two years, I'm, I'm, I'm at fault with this. I blame myself as well. And part of this, do you like, I think that isn't that a weakness though in the state or in the, in the community? I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I know it's happened everywhere, but I think maybe this is a generalization of the film community in general. You know, I think, I think a lot of people 
want to do things. Yeah. And they just, once it gets done, they don't know what to do with yeah. it. You know? And I think a lot of times it's like, well, do I put it on YouTube or whatever? And it, that's ultimately what ends up happening mm-hmm. a lot of times. So I think in a lot of ways the, the intentions are good, but yeah, there, there could be some, some areas where people don't follow through as much yeah. as they, they should. Like, I mean, I've seen things and I've seen pictures of something, but you never send, you never hear about it again. So I'm like, well, yeah. what? Like, yeah. I mean, I would like, to, I want to see your stuff. I want to see, I want to see it succeed. And I mean, I think also too, is maybe like, this is my issue with film festivals. I think, there, I think personally there's too many out here. And I think there's a whole issue too, where to grow as a filmmaker, I think you can't just stay locally with it. And I think a lot of people do. I think I, I see a lot of people that do that. What do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's an advantage to, mm-hmm. first off, it's, it's cheaper to yeah. go to the local festival. Un- yeah, than it is. understandable. Yeah. And, and it also gives people, I mean, just to premiere a movie. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people want to show their movie in a theater, but who has eight, nine hundred or twelve hundred dollars yeah. to throw toward a well, screening? Well, I mean, I've seen stuff too. Like, you know, I'm, 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 I've been saying the same thing for like the last handful of podcasts. So like, I want people to, I want to know the other side. Cause maybe I'm seeing things on the, on the wrong side of the tracks. And you know, I see people with the film festivals and stuff like that. And they're showing like pictures of people and there's no one in the, in the film festival. I feel like that's very disheartening for me seeing that for someone. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them do well. And like, especially like, you know, them not being like, I hear they can't play on YouTube or something like that because of world premiere issues and stuff like that. But like, if you have zero people, you know, or, three people in the cast or crew at the film festival, why are they like not going to just distribute on YouTube? Because you can get more eyes on the prize in that regard. Well, I mean, everybody's going to have a different strategy, whether it's a a rule that a festival mandates to Mm -hmm. the filmmaker or not. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there are a handful of film festivals out here that are, that are pretty legit and there Mm -hmm. are growing. Yeah. And it's, it's not so much, of the exposure value of mm. it, but it's just a networking opportunity gotcha. experience. You know, I've been to some recent film festivals where you've got people from all over the world mm. that are coming to these things and, yeah. and different perspectives. So that's cool yeah. because, you know, you, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to get distribution through your film festival. Yeah, Nobody's going to walk in and go, Universal's not going to see your thing at the, you know, whatever the local Las Vegas film mm. festival is and say, that's that we're going to make a deal. I yeah. mean, you could, I guess yeah. it could happen. But the chances of that are small. But what you are able to do is maximize the networking potential mm-hmm. and meet somebody that someday you might be working with on another project. Yeah, you know. And so, so in a way, festival should be what it it really is. It's just a gathering of like minded people to mm-hmm. celebrate something and to network and to share secrets and share tips and tricks yeah. and and go home with that. But I think the film festival industry has marketed itself as the gateway to success for yeah. filmmakers, which isn't really the apparatus that it should be marketing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get that. So, I, so I think that, that's probably why my issues come with the film festivals in, in that regard, yeah, I think. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, there are some there are some film festivals out there that you just don't want to submit to because yeah. you're just, just giving your money to them. But I would also argue that there are some major film festivals, some of the top five film festivals in the world that I wouldn't give two pennies to. Oh yeah. I would not give two pennies to Sundance because you know, you're never going to get into Sundance because I mean, you're saying what, it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say it, but you, you know said what? It. I'll admit, you know what? I'm going to be <laughs> honest about things. I, I don't plead. I, I forgot to tell you this. You complete the fifth on the show, by the way. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> told, told you an hour later, but uh, <laughs> yeah. so what do you think we can do to get to the next level? Well, I think ultimately in terms of a community. Yeah. I, I think here's what we have to do. Or I think, us, you know, us, our friendship, I guess. Well, look, we, we well, look, <laughs> we have to, there's a whole bunch of jokes with this. Yeah. What we have to do is I think as, yeah. a, as a community is we have to get better at our service. 
we are the service capital of the world. If you've ever traveled, if you've lived in Las Vegas long enough, you've traveled anywhere, you know one thing. Mm -hmm. You know that service sucks everywhere else. Yes. It even sucks in Manhattan. I was just in yeah. New York and I love New York, yeah. but it's, it's the greatest, oh, it greatest city on the, there. on the earth, but <laughs> the service is slower. The, the, the quality is slower. And even at the big play, I went to Peter Luger's and I'm like, are you kidding me? What am I? I just, I just spent $400 on a steak dinner. I feel like I, I just got roughed up outside an alleyway somewhere. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. So like, I'm looking at that and I go, look, what we do better than any other place on the planet earth is mm -hmm. our customer service. Yeah. And if we can continue to provide customer service and a first class experience in our production, mm -hmm. meaning we got good people, good yeah. quality people, they're going to want to come here because of our manpower. Mm -hmm. And they're going to want to come here because we have the greatest deserts. We've got the yeah. greatest city skyline. Yeah, We've yeah. got some of the greatest things. So that's what people are going to come here for. So mm -hmm. I think- you know, there's this, there's this thing on set where people, yeah, they have this kind of, you know, attitude about, I just want to make money or this yeah, yeah. And that. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But make sure if you're on a set, you, you think of yourself as a concierge yeah. to your next job. Yeah. Think of yourself well, as a concierge to the next job. You bring up an interesting point. Cause we let's, I mean, the, it's show business, not show art. Right. But at the same time, there's people like who are just trying to make a quick buck, buck making a film too. I mean, I feel like that hurts the, you know, the atmosphere here in, the, in that regard. Well, you Do know, you, you, yeah, you could. I mean, yeah. you know, granted, nobody's going to, I mean, if we all make better quality stuff, that's going to be helpful too. I mm. think we just have to work on, I think if filmmakers were more strategic in the kind of movies that they were making yeah. and they weren't just going off their gut instinct of what they want to do, which yeah. is what I spent the first part of my career doing, yeah. you know, I think if people got more strategic and said, look, this is what the market is asking us for. Mm -hmm. And why don't we cater to that market? Because yeah. that's, what's going to bring us economic value. Then you'll start seeing like, could you imagine if like, I mean, our, our studio's thriving. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine 10 other studios like ours thriving, yeah. producing content yearly? Yeah. That would be more jobs. Mm -hmm. That would be self. That we would be looking within for that success rather than Hollywood to yeah. come here to save us or somebody. Nobody's going to save us. And even Hollywood, like too, it's like, they're not, I mean, they're bringing people from outside, like you're saying to be in the movies as well. Hollywood's making movies for China. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, also here's something here. Here's something I found interesting too. I had uh, Dan, I don't know if you know Dan Worthington. Uh, He's an actor. Yeah. He, he owns a police car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he was telling me he went to um, LA and he's on uh, one of his shows. He's a, a principal extra, I believe. And they're saying like, if you were in Vegas, I wouldn't hire. If you're from Vegas, I wouldn't hire you as an actor. Now there's a weird stigma about that. I feel like because Vegas actors, I, I mean, this is my personal opinion. So you can plead the fifth on this if you like to. But like you know, you take a pie chart of Vegas actors. I think you know a good ten to twenty percent are the ones that really want to do well in the community. And I think the other you know eighty to ninety percent are the ones who want to just say they're actors. Look, there's, there's actors out there that do the work. There's yeah. actors that don't do the yeah. work. And at the end of the day, you know, they'll, they'll be filtered out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're always going to have to prove yourself as an actor. Yeah. That's just the way it is, you know? And yeah. so at the end of the day, you just have to uh, try hard. You have to keep, you know, you just have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. That's the key to success yeah. is being consistent. Consistency is key. And also studying your craft and doing better every day. Yeah. Yeah. So then let me ask you a final second, the last question what is that last bit of advice you want to give to filmmakers or any creative actually out there that you know, nugget? Just keep going, keep doing your thing. Mm -hmm. Don't stop. Just, and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just keep, 
tinkering, keep experimenting, keep plugging away, and you will find life gets better for you. It gets easier. Mm-hmm. We success in this industry isn't is not measured how fast you get there. Yeah. It's it's measured by how long you can stay on the path. So it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. It is absolutely a marathon. Actually, I just have another question for you. Sorry, but have you ever thought about expanding Indie Film Factory? Are there any plans in the works for expanding it or growing to another uh, spot? Yeah, we've always thought about that. Mm-hmm. It just the economics have to be there, and yeah, yeah. so maybe someday. Okay, I mean you're playing the fifth. I feel like on that one. <laughs> But uh, uh, last question, sir, for you. Uh, again, thank you, by the way. What is, your so- what is the social media you like to use? Uh, people can find us on Indie Film Factory's Facebook. So, okay. you know, I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M Factory. Can't spell factory. I can't spell anything anyway. Thank you, Kelly, by the way. And thank you guys for listening. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. I, I can't do this without the love and support of my frame chasers. And I'm just trying to bring the knowledge to all you listeners out there. And I hope you're gaining some great, valuable information and learning something from it because we all have a story and we all go through things at the, at the same time or at different times. I hope you people, I hope the people that are on the show are keeping you inspired to chase those frames. Kelly, welcome to the hashtag frame chaser community, as I like to call it. And again, thank you. And again, guys, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. We'll catch you hopefully next Wednesday on Chasing the Flame. Peace. Thank you.